We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I will discuss two of the world's foremost religions, at least those that are contemporary and modern religions. And no, I'm not going to discuss Christianity, Judaism, or Islam. I'm going to talk about two other religions. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. By the way, before we get into today's topic, um, a brief word about the recorded introduction to each show. If you don't listen to that closely or if you've skipped past it because you're a routine listener and you don't attend to that any longer, you may miss the point of the title of the show. I actually play off of a paraphrase quote of Peter Kreeft, a philosopher from the Northeast, a Catholic philosopher. Uh, Chuck Colson brought Peter Kreeft in to talk to us when we were part of Chuck Colson's Fellows Program. I was blessed to do that back in 2007 while Chuck Colson was still vibrant, healthy, alive. A real blessing to all of us, by the way. Peter Kreeft is a, is a philosopher, conservative Catholic philosopher. And one of his quotes, or at least I'm paraphrasing it, is this. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Now, again, that's the Piper paraphrase of what Peter Kreeft argues. That when deception and lies, falsehoods, become universal, the only rebellion we have left is to tell the truth. So that's why I call the show The Rebellion. We live in a time of lies, universal deceit. Up is down and down is up. Good is evil and evil is good. Bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. I'm, pro I'm quoting from the prophet Isaiah there, obviously. So everything is reversed. Everything is a lie. We call men women and women men. We call freedom slavery and slavery freedom. Everything is deceptive. We've given over power to the elites while we claim to march for liberty and liberalism. We claim that we're progressing into some sort of utopia when actually our policies are regressive and we're going back to the same failed mistakes of 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago. We're going back to the same sins, the same mistakes that the prophets in the Old Testament warned us of. Jeremiah. Isaiah, Micah, etc. We're doing the same stupid things over and over again. And in times of universal deceit, universal lies, universal deception, the only thing we have left is truth in, in terms of being rebellious. When you wave the banner of truth, you are the ultimate rebel today. When you say, wait a second, men are real, women are real, you can't you can't pretend to be something you're not. You're the rebel now because you're telling the truth. When you say that socialism has failed time and time again, and that over 100 million people have been executed at the hands of those who embrace that philosophy, you're the rebel because you're standing in the face of the lie. You're waving the banner of truth. 
I could go on and on and on. When you say that a, a baby that can move and suck its thumb and smile and lick its lips, we know all of this because ultrasound technology allows us to take pictures of the preborn child doing those very things. When you show pictures of that and you say, wait a second, that's not a lump of cells. That's not like your appendix. That's just that that's not part of the woman's body. That is a different body that happens to reside in a given location. And if it's not alive and a functioning human being now, then why will it be just a few seconds later after it moves and exits the birth canal? When you ask these types of logical questions that are grounded in truth, scientific facts, ontological reality. When you ask these questions, you're the rebel. You're the one who's waving the banner, the banner of revolution. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. That's why I call the show The Rebellion, because truth, truth is the ultimate flag of rebelling against lies. Does it make sense? And then I, I also have a recording of Winston Churchill saying, we shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight in the air, we shall fight in the streets, and we shall never surrender until God in his great mercy leads the new world to come forward and rescue the old. Winston Churchill recognized that in order to stop the despotism, the tyranny of the Third Reich, that the new world, America, that was grounded in self-evident truths endowed to us by our Creator, that, that believed that God gave us our liberties and defined our freedoms, not government, that the new world would have to step in and rescue the old because of the, because of the attack, the onslaught of tyranny. And in God's providence at that time, that is indeed is what happened. But in today's world, in today's time, is America grounded in those same ideals? If we were called upon to step forward and rescue any nation from tyranny, despotism, any nation from something like the Third Reich or communist China um, or North Korea's totalitarianism, or the hatred of Iran and Iraq for the West. If we were called to step forward and rescue any other nation, any other world, if you will, country, culture, from such attacks, would we have the value system to do so? Would we have any, any internal convictions that would guide us and give us the courage to do that? Or have we set aside that worldview that gave us that strong foundation upon which to stand to rescue the old world from the Axis powers, from Hirohito's China, excuse me, Japan, from the despotism of Mussolini's fascism, and from the tyranny of Hitler's Third Reich? Would we have any foundation upon which to stand to fend off such aggression today? Or have we abandoned that worldview that gave us that courage, gave us that conviction, gave us that stability upon which to stand? Have we abandoned that for a new religion? 
And I would argue the evidence is pretty clear we have. We no longer have that, again, I use this word intentionally right now, and hear me out. We no longer have a cult. And when I use that word, it's not a false religion. It's the root word of culture or cultivate. It, and, and that root word means to, to um, cultivate a field, to plow a field in commonality, in common rows, parallel, working together in the same direction. That, that unity as you plow the field and create something positive, you grow something out of it that's predictable because you cultivated it. It's the same idea for culture. You can't have a culture if you're not going in parallel rows, if you don't know what you're doing, if there isn't a common cause with unity and predictability that holds you together, if it's just chaos with every man doing what is right in his own eyes, which is the last verse of the book of Judges in the Old Testament. If we're all doing what is right in our own eyes and just following our hearts, then that's not going to end well because there's no cult to bind the culture together any longer. There's no common furrows. You're not plowing in a given direction, and the crop that you will grow will be weeds. Weeds, because there's nothing nothing of value that's been planted. So on today's show, I'm going to talk about the two religions that I think are supplanting uh, Christianity as the assumption some people call it the Judeo-Christian foundation or soil out of which our culture grows, out of which the United States became a crop of freedom. Judeo, meaning the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, the pretext for our laws. And yes, that's true. Even in the freeze work of the Supreme Court of the United States, you see a picture of Moses holding the Ten Commandments as the assumption, the foundation, the soil, the culture, the cultivated field out of which our constitutional liberties grow. Do we still hold that Judeo ethic, that ethic of Moses, the Judeo-Christian ethic, because in Christianity we embrace both the Old and the New Testaments? The New Testament being the fulfillment, not the setting aside of the Old Testament, but the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Jesus said, not one jot or tittle, not one dot of the I or crossing of the T shall pass away from the law. He came to fulfill the law, not to do away with it. In other words, he fills it full. He explains it to us. He tells us where we got it wrong, why it was given to us in the first place, and how to fulfill the law, essentially, through being born again, repenting, recognizing that you can't live by those standards. We all break them because of sin in our lives. Therefore, we must be born again. You just can't accept the fact that you're born that way. There's nothing in the gospel, the New Testament, that says celebrate your heart. Follow your heart. Be who you want to be. Be true to yourself. There's nothing in the gospel. There's nothing in the Bible that tells you to do that. And this religion that tells you otherwise is a false religion. It's essentially, well, I'll stop there. I won't tell you what the two religions are until after we take a break. So let's do so. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, so welcome back to The Rebellion. Okay, so I, I told you that I believe there are two religions that are on the rise in the United States, the Western world in general, that are supplanting 
Judeo-Christianity. The Old Testament, the New Testament, is the foundation for Western civilization. The, 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 the soil out of which the freedoms of Western culture have grown, the freedoms of Europe, as opposed to the bondage that you see in Red China or the Soviet Union, for example, and the freedoms that we enjoy in the, in, in the West, in Canada, United States, as well as some of the democratic countries in Central and South America, and even in Australia, New Zealand and whatnot. These, these countries, these cultures have enjoyed freedom, and that freedom was grounded in Christianity, a biblical ethic, the Judeo-Christian ethic. But is that true any longer? Have we exchanged that truth for a lie? And have we, as the result, as the Apostle Paul warns us, been given over to the inability to think clearly, given over to a reprobate mind? Again, his warning from, from the epistle of Romans, the letter he wrote to the first century Christians in Rome. All right, I would argue we have, and I think one of the religions is the one that I discussed yesterday, Gaiaism, G-A-I-A, Gaia, Mother Earth. Gaia is the Greek goddess of Earth, of nature. And Gaiaism is the worship of the Earth. It's, it's a collective religion where we assume that it's almost pantheism, if you will, that we're all part of nature and that we need to sustain nature. That's our highest good. Uh, human freedom, human exceptionalism is, in fact, a bad thing because that needs to be controlled and supplanted and subservient to preserving the earth, preserving the environment. As I said yesterday, elevating the planet over people. That's Gaiaism. Now, Stop and think about what you're hearing from the greenies, the climate change, global warming alarmists. You know, these members of the chicken little, the sky is falling club. Uh, temperatures rise and it's your fault. You're the problem. You're, you're the virus, if you will, that is destroying Gaia, Terra Mater, Mother Earth. And you need to be controlled. That virus needs to be eliminated. I've told you that Jane Goodall was at the World Economic Forum, and she said that we need to return to population levels of the pre-industrial age. Now, what does that mean? That would be a 90% reduction in the human beings that currently inhabit the earth. How are you going to get that done? Is anybody raising their hand and saying, wait a second, how are you going to get that done? How are you going to get back to pre-industrial population levels in order to save Gaia, Terra Marata? How will you do that? And Ms. Goodall and all of you smart folks at the World Economic Forum, Al Gore and Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, and even unfortunately members of our own evangelical churches are there. How, how are you going to decrease the human population by 90%? And do you want to be in the 90% or the 10%? We're just curious. Which, which percentage are you going to be in? you smart folks, as you orchestrate this reduction. Oh, all for the good of humanity, I'm sure. But ultimately, because you're worshiping this goddess called Gaia, G-A-I-A, the Greek goddess of nature, Terra Mater, Mother Earth. That's a religion, 
And it's sweeping the world right now. It's sweeping our culture. We're making decisions right now that assume that the human being is not the highest good. The human being should be subservient to the animal, the plant, and the planet. But it's inconsistent. It's inconsistent because at the same time they talk about justice, social justice, alleviating poverty, you know, equitable distribution of wealth. Well, who cares? Why would they even care about that if the human being is the problem? Do you see the inconsistency there? Don't elevate the planet above people and then in your self-righteous, smug, virtue-signaling way, at the same time tell me that you're all interested in justice. Unless you're going to redefine justice to mean that justice equals the extermination of human beings for the good of the planet. Now, if you want to be honest about it and say that, then okay, let's have a debate. But they want to have their cake and eat it too. They claim to be for the poor and the downtrodden, but yet they're implementing policies that we know, we know, we know will disadvantage the poor first and foremost. When you get rid of clean energy such as natural gas, guess what the poor are going to do? They're going to collect dung and wood and start burning it to keep themselves warm and to cook their food. And guess what? Those are dirty fuels. People inhale the smoke from burning dung and wood and they get diseases. They get they get respiratory diseases and they die early. We know this. We've got economic research that gives us this data. Bjorn Lundberg, an economist, has written on it in his book titled Cool It, where he shares all the economic data that if we actually implement what the global warming folks are telling us to do, if we start implementing all of these chi- excuse me, all of these climate change policies, guess what happens? Poor people die by the millions. Oh, but they're all for social justice, right? No, their religion is a worship of Gaia, Terra Mater, Mother Earth. They elevate the planet over people. And what's, what's the other religion? So I'm arguing that the climate change, global warming people don't believe that people should be put over the planet. They believe the planet should be put over people and that we should worship, bow in subservience to that planet. And if we don't, we should be shamed, we should be silenced, we should be sequestered, we should be deplatformed. You can't post things on Twitter. I was just, I was just banned, or not, not me. Uh, one of my tweets was pulled because I dared to post something about climate change, a critical analysis of the data. They wouldn't post it, and you know why? Because we've determined that this post could be dangerous. That's what they say. Just because I wanted to raise my hand and say, wait a second, wait a second, what does the data actually indicate? And and will your policies result in millions of people dying or or not? And, And can you answer the question, Look, if you consider people to be the problem, and if the world is overpopulated, and you need to have a 90% reduction of the problem, i.e. people, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get there and be just to all the people 
that are going to be eliminated to solve the problem. I mean, you can't ask these questions any longer because you've dared to challenge the goddess, the god of the new religion, Gaia. You get my point? This is a religion. You know, they say that, you know, religious people are science deniers. These people are denying the science because of their religion. They're, they're ignoring any contradictory data. When, when, when David Legates from the University of New Hampshire puts up data that shows that sunspot activity, which is cyclical, it has been ever since we've had the ability to track it scientifically, and we can do so now. We can see when the sun flares more aggressively over time, over, over the various different cycles of the decades. And guess what? When the sun is flaring more aggressively, when there are greater bursts on the sun, when sunspots are more prevalent, guess what happens to our earth? It warms. The climate changes. It's been called weather for centuries, and now we call it global warming. And what is the... When you look at the graphs as to Earth's temperature compared to other things, what is the correlation that seems to be most predictive? It's the sun's activity when you lay it over the graph of the Earth's temperatures. It's almost an exact parallel. Lower sunspot activity, cooler temperatures. Higher sunspot activity, higher temperatures. This is just a fact. You can look at the data. But yet, this religion of Gaiaism calls upon us to ignore all of that data. Science doesn't matter. Our faith, our blind faith in Gaia, Mother Earth, we are the ones, we are the people. We're going to have a great big kumbaya group hug around Mother Earth. Pantheism. That's what it is. Now, the other religion is Gnosticism. And Gnosis, Gnosis, is the Greek word for knowledge. Gnosticism is a religion of special knowledge, that you are a special person because you have the ability to access this special knowledge within yourself that is not accessible to the rubes, the deplorables, um, those people that lack gray matter, those folks that aren't as wise as you. That's Gnosticism. It's the worship of Gnosis, special knowledge. And what happened in the early church was Gnosticism was on the rise, and guess what they started doing? Because they had special knowledge, they started denying the reality of the body. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Are we doing that today? Are, uh, are our schools teaching our children to deny the reality of the body, to elevate themselves, their emotions, over the facts of biology and physiology and genetics, for example? And if you have special knowledge within yourself of, oh, that you are something that you're not physically or biologically, well, then your knowledge, your emotions, your heart, your heart trumps reality, because you have been endowed with special knowledge, gnosis, again the Greek word for knowledge. So you have Gaiism, which is the worship of the planet over people, and then you have gnosis, which is the worship of your emotions over the facts. 
Now, you tell me, as you're listening to me rattle off these two religions, you tell me, which worldview do you think lends itself to greater freedom? Greater freedom, personal liberty. The worship of the planet over people? Is that going to lend itself to greater freedom? If, if, if you have a group of elites that have gained power that actually think the planet should be preserved at the expense of eliminating 90% of the people that live on the planet, do you think that that's going to lend itself to human liberty and human flourishing and freedom? <laughs> I, I hope you understand that the answer is no, it can't. Because you've got a lot of people that are going to suffer the consequences of being controlled. They're going to be told what they can eat and what they can't eat. They're going to be told that they can't have private property because that's wasteful and that's hurting the environment. They're going to be told as farmers that they can't buy fertilizer because fertilizer is bad. They're going to be told that, well, even though your crop production and your yield is going down, that that's actually good. That's not a bad thing because we're saving the planet. And even though the economy is suffering a 54% inflation, as is the case in Sri Lanka right now, you need to buck up and you need to just bite the bullet because this is good for y'all. It's not bad. And when people say, wait a second, wait a second, we don't have enough to eat. We can't buy tomatoes. We can't buy carrots. We're having to import grain from countries that don't live by these stupid policies that you're imposing on us. And now we're subserving it to them. China and Russia and other despotic countries are now controlling us with their fuel and their food. And therefore, we've lost our freedom. When you say that, you're condemned. So is that so, so does that make sense if you want human flourishing and human freedom? If you want to be the land of the free and the home of the brave... If you want constitutional liberties, do you think that Gaiaism works? It doesn't. And likewise, Gnosticism doesn't work. Because if someone else claims to have special knowledge, and you don't, guess who gets to bow and worship at the altar of that special knowledge? And if you don't, you'll be forced to, because you'll be branded a bigot and a hater. You'll be given the label of phobia because you simply disagree with their special knowledge. Truth doesn't matter anymore because truth doesn't exist. In, in Gnosticism, knowledge, it's not a knowledge of truth. It's a knowledge of emotions. It's emotive. It's not rational. It's not logical. In fact, you hear them saying that rationality, logic, is a product of white privilege and that we need to move beyond that cisgender toxic masculinity way of thinking and we need to embrace what? Gnosis. We need to follow our hearts. Both of these things are idolatry, people. And that's why the Ten Commandments, which sets the context of freedom, you're not going to have liberty without laws. That's why the Ten Commandments says, honor the Lord your God, that you shall have no other gods before me, not Gaia and not Gnosis. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.